what's going on everybody this is eric elliott back here with another episode of the refocus nutrition podcast this week we have on a very special guest chrissy baron chrissy is one of the owners or the majority owner uh, of nova 3 labs a supplement company and nutrition coaching company in the health and fitness space particularly in the crossfit space um Within this episode, Chrissy and I uh, dive deep on kind of how she got into the industry herself uh, from both a business uh, perspective, but also she talks a lot about the mindset behind competing um, because she does she has a long extensive uh, career and education background uh, within the within the um, psychological sports psychology uh, aspect of training um so we talk a lot a bit about how to build self-confidence how to know how to attack a worker from a mental side of side of you and really just how to build a better uh, mindset when it comes to training in everyday life so this is a good podcast uh it's going to be something that you guys want to take notes from um chrissy also launched a uh, webinar program for women only actually on nova lab so i'm going to link that in the show notes as well for people to go and find so just head over to nova labs uh, and you'll be able to see all of the different things they're selling there as well uh, another announcement as well is i'm actually going to become uh, an ambassador with nova labs so i'll be uh, pushing more of their products uh, on my social and as well on this podcast the reason for it, guys, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say pushing um, something if I didn't totally believe in it. I believe in all of the products that they have put out, um, and that is that is why I decided to um, basically become a, an ambassador for them because I've I've been approached by other companies as well that I won't name um, to to do ambassador style programs, um, and they, I just didn't believe in what their products stood for, what they were trying to accomplish with their products. And that's something that when I saw uh, Nova Labs' products, I, I really in, enjoyed that. So we're definitely going to have on more of their content in the future talking about what their products are. Um, we're going to have Mike on their other co-owner to talk about that. But for now, guys, this is Chrissy. Um, and as always, you know, follow her and um, put it in your stories. If you're enjoying this episode, tag us both. Uh, so we can help share this podcast. Enjoy, guys. And we're back, guys, with another episode of the Refocus Nutrition Podcast. This week, we have on a really special guest. Um, we have Chrissy Barron. She is the owner or one of the owners of Nova Labs, uh, which is a nutrition coaching and supplement company uh, within the CrossFit, but also just regular fitness space. Um, she is also a sports, she also is a, um, graduate of a sports psychology degree. So she definitely has a lot of background that way. We're going to go into a lot, but I don't really want to butcher her story more than, more than I am already. So, um, Christy, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this space where you are today? Yeah, of course. So I was a college cheerleader and, I dealt with the worst competition anxiety. Um, I would have like panic attacks before we'd go on. I would throw up like my, I was like, I hyped my nervous system up so much that I was just a mess. And, <laughs> but I still always like performed, right? It was just, it was like I worked myself up for no reason. 
Um, and when I started CrossFit, um, based on my gymnastics background, I was pretty good, like early on, like I got a muscle up in my first six months and, you know, like I just freaking, I saw success and I ran with it and it was so much fun. And I was like, so addicted to this feeling of like always being great. Right. But I always still dealt with that competition anxiety. I still dealt with that self doubt. I still dealt with that those negative thoughts. And I never really understood how to change that. And when I looked up advice online, it was always just this, this fake positivity of like, just believe in yourself and like, just think positive and just tell yourself you're great. And it was, I, I just felt like that's such BS. Uh, there was no actionable items. And I'm a very actionable item person. I'm very type A, like, I understand equations, like if you use Tommy, A plus B equals C, and I can apply that, I understand that. And so one of my peer drivers behind going back to school and getting a master's degree in sports psychology was that I wanted to provide an actionable um, like step program for someone if they were dealing with self-confidence issues, if they were dealing with self-worth issues, if they were having uh, anxiety and what was that based on. And that's exactly what I did. So, as I understand your story too, um, you actually went back and pursued your master's degree after becoming uh, an owner at Nova Labs. Um, so, how did that come about? How did you get into Nova Labs specifically? But not only that, like, once, I mean, I'm assuming that being an owner of Nova Labs is a very full time job. How and why do you get into sports psychology after the fact? Yeah, so um, I was a pharmaceutical rep in Los Angeles, and um, I had this opportunity to invest in the startup. And, you know, the startup was the company. And um, I have always known that I hated being a cog in the wheel. And there's a great book by Seth Godin called Lynchpin, and he talks about how um, society and school and everything teaches you how to be a cog in the wheel, right? And it doesn't teach you how to think outside the box, right? If you think outside the box, we're kind of like hampered down and we're like, sit down, shut up and do, you know, your schoolwork and whatever. And we're, we don't teach an entrepreneurial mindset. And if we do have a child or someone that has an entrepreneurial mindset, it's really told, it's like told to sh like hamper down, like sit down and just do your work. And I've always been a big, like, think outside of the box person, but I never knew that that was a skill set I had until I actually like attempted to put some worth behind it. So, um, originally I was offered like a part-time social media marketing position with the company and I actually went back to them and, um, I tell this story all the time cause I love it. And because I also don't know like where I got the balls just to do this, <laughs> I was 24 years old and I just, we were on a Skype call, me and the other at the time we had two owners, two other owners and I wasn't asking for much, right? I was asking for like the lowest percentage they would get. And I just said, you know, guys, when the Vikings went into battle, they would burn their own ship and not only to intimidate their competitors, but to tell their own men like, Hey, there's no way we're going home besides in those guys boat. And so it was a do or die situation. And I said, if you want my blood, sweat and tears, because that's the person I am, I'm a very hundred percent or nothing. If you want my blood, sweat and tears, you have to let me buy in. If you don't, then I'm not even going to go down this path because I'm going to go invest my energy elsewhere. And I think that I blew them away. They were not expecting that. I didn't, I didn't practice it. Okay. I just, 
I, it just felt right to say that story. And that's the kind of person that I am. I have so much, I'm very intense. If I've been described as intense and I'm like, yeah, that's me. Um, and so, I mean, we went with it. I put my two weeks in at the company and I just started from there. And so I was running it for two years. Um, it's definitely a full-time job. I mean, it's, but you know, it's like they say entrepreneurship, you work a hundred hours a week to not work 40 hours for someone else. I, I hate this idea that I'm not killing myself working because I love what I do. And of course I have a lot of stress, like who doesn't have stress in this world? But, um, I ended up going back to school and doing a program where I could do majority of the work online. And that worked for me because I had to maintain a work, a business, you know what I mean? I had to maintain a company. Mm -hmm. And so I I wasn't in the situation where I could go and do, um, a generic program and sit in a classroom for eight hours. It's like, that's not what I wanted, but I managed to, I would wake up in the morning and do my studying and I would do my classwork at nighttime and I would work during the day and I would train during lunch. And I like structure. I handle structure really well for, so for two, two years of my life, that's all I did. I didn't really have a life. I didn't have a social work. I mean, a social life. I didn't drink for two years. Like that's just, I just put my head down and I worked and, um, it was not easy. Right. But it, it was like something that I wanted to do and it, it, it fulfilled my soul. So business is very, I love it. I'm addicted to it. It drives me. I thrive on it, but sports psychology and helping others, it fulfills my soul. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm giving back in this world. If I can just affect one person positively, I feel so empowered by that. And so I think having both of those kind of lifestyles offset each other helps me a lot. Feel like a whole person where I, when I was just running the business, I was feeding into this cold-hearted businesswoman self I have, and I wasn't fulfilling this other side of me that loves to give back. Absolutely, and I think that's like a, a really important um, distinction in knowing it with also like growing and knowing yourself. When do you think you started to adapt and, and grow and cultivate that actual that love for sports psychology yourself? I know you mentioned you, you know, you were into cheerleading, you were a cheerleader in university. What was that like in your, you know, in your teens and your early childhood as, as it, like, where was that personal development of, um, within sports psychology? Were you someone that was reading a lot of self-help books? Like did, did that stuff appeal to you at the time or was, where did that love come from, from, for sports psychology? So I, um, have, I did not have the most, let's say, traditional childhood. Um, it was very tumultuous and it was a lot of character building moments, if you want to put it like that. And so I actually went, I was a, a big believer in therapy from an early age. And that's probably why I'm so good at communicating now, because I've been in therapy since I was a very young kid. And it was more like my family's inability to understand how to talk about things. So they were just like, here you go. This will help her. And um, I mean, you know, when you grow up, it's easy to kind of reflect on your childhood and be like, oh, that was probably not the best thing to do. But it's easier to look back and also be more judgmental than when you're actually in the moment. So I grew up in a world where therapy was the answer for everything. And um 
it helped me to, I guess, see in, like to see power in actually going through the hard stuff to fix your problems versus uh, drugs and drinking and like numbing the feeling. I was always like, no, I think I should go talk about it. And like that was just kind of like how I live my life. Mm-hmm. And so we when we apply sports into this world of psychology, um, you don't see a lot of people saying, oh, we should just go talk about it, right? Or this idea that that doing the hard work of working through this internal issue inside will make them better. And so what I wanted to do was kind of be that advocate or that influence that, um, you know, this isn't isn't like frou-frou stuff, right? I'm not sitting down holding an athlete's hand and telling me, saying, tell me about your feelings. You know what I mean? It's very actionable. It's very professional. I have a game plan. I understand what I'm helping to work through with them. And I mean, even this idea that I have to, the first step, sometimes I have to convince people that it's real life blows my mind. It's like, I, this, I'm not a, I'm not brewing witchcraft over here. Like, I don't know what (laughs) I am, you know? Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's it's so true because a lot of people within the mindset piece of coaching and you know hiring a hiring a sports psychologist, if you will, um, we don't really know what we're getting, right? It's not it's it's not if you're hiring someone like that, it's not like you're getting a tangible outcome. That's you know you didn't go and buy a pair of pants; you went and bought coaching that you know you're working on yourself. You don't physically see that unless you're actually recording your results and you know, and getting actual outcomes as you kind of alluded to before we got on the call. So what were some of the things you went into, you know, went into your education believing or even knowing about the field and how did that transform through your education? Like what did you really get out of it where it was kind of like some eye-opening moments for you? So, I mean, the biggest thing that I wanted to do was bring it into CrossFit and no one else was really doing that. And so... I wanted to apply this into CrossFit. What makes that harder is that like when you have golf, when you have basketball, right? You have these certain drills you always work on. When you visualize, you can always visualize the same thing. With CrossFit, I mean, you never know what the workout's going to be or what it will be or what it potentially could be. So when I'm talking to athletes about visualization, it's less about visualizing the plan going wrong. Because there's no way we can sit here and practice for this workout that we might not never know about, right? You might learn it day of. You might have to walk onto the field or the court or whatever and do it. So um, it's more about learning how to be okay, not being in control of every aspect of everything. But I think going into grad school, I just wanted to learn about like how much the, the mind can affect your performance. And... It's, it's also, it's hard, it's, it's, it's hard to prove, right? Because it is intangible. Um, but you know, they did studies where they had visualization. Um, they had an athlete visualize and they did, um, like brain scans and it showed that the area that, that the athlete was visualizing. So let's say they were doing bicep curls. They saw that area light up in the brain. And so it's like, we don't understand how important visualization is, right? And when I tell athletes or when I talk to people, I have to still convince them that it's good to do. And I mean, that's ridiculous, right? Um, I almost have to prove that I have their best interest in heart and that I'm not, again, teaching voodoo. And then we go <laughs> from there, which is like, I hope that one day we get to a point where I don't have to, I don't have to showcase my credentials just to be taken seriously, right? Mm-hmm. I think one of the, you, you kind of mentioned that too, but I think 
one of the things within that after you took after you finished and graduated um, last year or towards the end of your graduation that I saw was you you started to create an actual journal for people to work through some of their own things. So take me through that creation and what you were trying to accomplish with the journal. Of course. So I, my idea was not to create a journal in the middle of grad school where I run, <laughs> while running a company while, while writing a thesis. Um, but, you know, life happens, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I, um, I was like, oh, I would love just like a how-to guide uh, to change my thought pattern. And again, that doesn't exist, right? And so I was like, okay. So I, I was writing a thesis on the theory of cognitive reframing or restructuring. And if that can actually, like using that, will it change an athlete's automatic thought process from negative to positive? So for instance, you have running intervals today and like, oh, you hate running. So you go out and your your pace is kind of your falling off pace. And so you say in your head, um, well, you know, I'm not a good runner anyways, right? And so like, what does that do when we say that? Well, it allows us to slow down. It allows us to try to not try hard, right? And so I wanted to know how do I change that, right? How do I change that automatic thought to be positive, to believe in yourself, where instead of saying, man, I suck at running, that's why I fell off my paces, you're saying, ah, I might not be the best runner, but I should still give my full effort, right? And like, how do you do that? Well, with anything, it's practice and effort, right? You don't grow a muscle overnight. You don't plant a tree and see if it becomes a tree every single day. You trust in the process. And so I created this journal and it's based on cognitive reframing and it's a four step process. And it basically, you just take that negative thought and you write it down and then you dissect it and then you reframe it. And then you repeat that thought over and over and over again, where it's not, I have running, uh, I suck at running, but I have running. Okay. I'm going to give the best effort I have today. And that is through doing that over and over and over again, we can train your brain to, to essentially like have that automatic thought process be positive instead of negative. And so my idea with creating this journal was that it would give other people really, it, it was created out of a need that I wanted it. I wanted it. Like we were going into the open that year, uh, it's 2018. I was at a really competitive gym. We were all competing for a spot on the team. It was like super cutthroat. And I was like, man, I don't believe in myself right now. I don't believe that I'm the best. Like how do I figure out how to believe in myself? And so I created this journal. Yeah, I think that, that that journal is really awesome. And you think like one of the things that I see a lot of um, within the mindset piece of it is people just don't like people don't know that they're saying things or telling themselves this bad story. Um, like people don't even know that they're complaining. And a lot of times um, until you bring it up and say, stop complaining or think about it, right? So within your clientele and the people that you've worked with on the, the mindset aspect of things, how much of it is, is just bringing awareness to the fact that there is negative self-talk go going on in their minds initially? Because I think there's, like I said, there's a lot of people that get into workouts and, and they're telling themselves, you know, I'm bad at thrusters or this isn't a good workout for me or whatever, whatever it is. Like you're just going down a rabbit hole of excuses or complaints over and over and over again that we're not even aware of right away. Well, the first step I would have an athlete do is write down a list of every negative thought that they think for that week. And then together we can figure out where the theme of the negative thoughts come from. 
Is it uh, fear of failure? Is it um, letting people down? Is it feeling like you don't deserve to be where you are? Um, everyone has a theme in their head, right? So a great example is like you're doing a workout and let's say it's a really important workout and there's just a crap ton of toes to bar in it and you have to break down the singles on toes to bar and your first thought is not, okay, keep moving. Your first thought is like, how embarrassing, what is everyone thinking about me, right? The reality is it doesn't matter what those people in that room are thinking about you and to let that thought affect you enough to affect your workout because your ego is too high and then you do something that's going to like worsen your performance, um, that matters more, right? So it's like, that's something I work on where it's more about working through what their, what their ego is saying to them. And how do you go through a sport where you have to believe in yourself, but not have a detrimental ego, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's something that, you know, like you said, that you can, you can help build as well. Do you think that that's, you know, people of the growth mindset versus fixed mindset would definitely say that you can grow these kinds of things uh, no matter who you are and where you came from. Do you think, do you believe that to be the case or do you think that it's something that, you know, some people are born with and other people are just going to perennially struggle with it? I think that I, I bring up this topic a lot and I'm talking about this topic in my webinar, but um, is self-confidence nature versus nurture, right? Mm-hmm. Are you born with it or do you learn it? And obviously I think there's both, right? And I think the people that learn self-confidence, you're going down a harder path, right? It. I'm not going to generalize, but let's say you were raised in a very secure household with loving parents that believed that you could do anything you're going to have this belief that you can take over the world and it's going to become innate. And it's innate because everyone told you that you can take over the world where you have the opposite spectrum of things where maybe you didn't have that secure upbringing. You were raised in a very anxious, avoidant household and you go through life scared or constantly anxious um, that you're never going to be enough. Okay. That kind of upbringing is never going to tell you that you can take over the world right? Because every time you go outside your comfort zone and you go outside a situation that you can't control, you feel super uncomfortable, super out of control. So for you to constantly believe in yourself, it's unnatural. You have to learn that, right? But in any situation, people, I think that in this world, we can all believe in ourselves a little bit more. There's there's very few people that walk through this earth and you're like, okay, well, you know, they could simmer down on the self-confidence. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I 100% agree, and I think in, on the professional athlete side of things, I know um, I, I always look up to a guy like Noah Olson within the space because you know people who have seen him and known him say that he's very self-confident to the point where when he came across in his early years, a lot of people thought that he was cocky. How do you balance that, and is there a need to balance that? So... I know Noah personally, and he's an amazing human being, like really one of the good ones. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, why do I care what someone else is saying about me? If you tell me that I'm cocky, cool. Like that's your own projection of me. I, I don't really give a shit if you think I'm cocky, right? Like if I have to be cocky to believe in myself, if I have to be cocky to win the CrossFit Games, if I have to be cocky to take over the world, you better believe I'm going to be cocky, right? So if someone, if these trolls go on social media <laughs> and they tell you that you are this and you're that and you're this, well, then your self-confidence is not real because if you're letting some random stranger affect you, then 
th- then that's not real self-confidence, right? I'll, and I'll give you an example. Like I used to go running in college a lot and I would always run by this one like homeless lady and she would always yell profanities at me, right? <laughs> and the thing is, this is a great example because I did not say, oh my gosh, this lady yelled the B word at me. Am I the B word? She was some random stranger that I was like, whatever, right? But why then do we take all these people that are commenting on our social media as real people? You know what I mean? What does it matter what their opinion is if they like or dislike us? You cannot go through this world and want to be liked by everyone, right? So we get these comments, we get these trolls, we get these DMs of people that just want to tear us down. But if we let them tear us down, then our and our true self confidence is not that strong, right? Then it's built on a it's built on a shitty foundation, maybe a foundation of validation, and maybe a foundation of affirmation, and maybe a valid a foundation of proving your worth on social media, right? And that that's a hard thing about social media is you have to be able to use it in a way that promotes you, your brand. Because I'm a big believer in that, but it also can't be a way where you're all constantly seeking validation, meaning. I read this thing and it was like, it was, it was actually a joke, right? And it was like, what if tomorrow Instagram was deleted and you weren't a model anymore? And I was like, oh my God, no, but, but really like, what if tomorrow, this is how I live my life. What if tomorrow Instagram was deleted? Where would your worth still be? I would still love myself. I would still have close friends. I would still have those people that I care about. A lot of people, that's not the case. Their lives would be destroyed if Instagram was deleted, right? So I kind of live my life in this way where Instagram is an added bonus, but it's not an end all be all. Same with all social media. It's an added bonus, but it cannot be the only place that I am searching for validation of myself. Absolutely. I think that you hit the nail on the head there, um, like saying that, but like that's, I mean, so many times we see that, right? Like people, people are building themselves through validation, building their self-confidence through validation rather than going the opposite way um, and doing more like building it through different paradigms. And I kind of want, I want you to answer that question. How do you build your self-confidence first so that you don't need that extra validation, um, external validation to figure out who you are? Cause I think that's a, a lot of, a lot of the issues stem from people not sitting down and being clear about who they are and why they do what they do. So that when people tell them, you know, you're, as that lady would say, you're a bitch or whatever it happens to be, you believe in those things rather than saying, you know, you know what? No, I'm not. I'm X, Y, and Z because those, that's who I, that's who I am. That's what I ascribe to. Yeah. So this is kind of the whole topic of my webinar that I'm building out and I'm pretty sure it's getting released next week, hopefully. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I have a loose timeline. I mean, I, I'm working um, a booth at Mid-Atlantic and for Nova and then going to Florida the next week. So I hope, I'm hoping it'll be out, um, out by next week. But it talks about how do I build self-confidence from a true, deep, foundational situation or experience. And um, the first thing that I would say is be reflective, right? Be reflective. Like, go back in your life. Like, figure out why you are great. Like, truly why you are great. And then the other thing I would say, I have a three-step process, but I'll give you two because I can't give it all away. You know? <laughs> um, the second one is surround yourself with people that think that you're amazing, that truly, truly, deeply think you're amazing. This is a great analogy I give. Also, I'm full of analogies. Also, a lot of times they don't make any sense, so just roll with it. 
um, okay. So I love this thing where it's like you're at a dinner table and you can invite six people, right? And I don't say dead or alive. This is six people that like you really like and you have in your life. Okay, cool. So you're at this dinner table. Now, this dinner table is a metaphor for our mind, okay? So we let all of these shitty people into our dinner table, right, through social media and we follow them and we're like, oh my God, what if they see if I don't follow them? What if they see? Okay, one, honestly, fuck that. Unfollow anyone that is not giving you this idea that you are wonderful. You are amazing, right? We let these people get into our dinner table and they don't deserve to be there. Why are you following people that make you feel inadequate? Why are you following people that make you feel not good enough? Look, life is hard, okay? We are all struggling with something. Most, 98% of the people are overstressed and undersleeping. So you're gonna go on social media and compare yourself some freaking model that literally gets paid to has a freaking chef in their house and a banging body and never had kids and they're looking great. And it's like, you guys are not on the same playing field. Okay. It's like the, the man in the arena quote, which is one of my faves. Um, I think it's by Thomas Jefferson. And if I'm wrong, then that's embarrassing. <laughs> uh, but he talks about how, like if I was just going to condense it down, it's about how, if you are the man in the arena, why are you taking advice and why are you listening to the people that are not in the arena with you? You're listening to the, these people that are in the stands that aren't marred by blood, sweat, and tears, that aren't in the dirty with you. And you're saying, but this person said this. Okay, but they don't live your life and they don't live your day to day and they're not doing what you're doing every day. So just stop, take a deep breath and understand that you're great. Just truly, just, just breathe understand that you're great. We could all do some more deep breaths. We could all use some more belly breaths. We are all in the struggle of life together. Have more compassion for yourself. Stop comparing yourself to everyone else. If social media is killing you, get off of it. You will survive. I assure you. Absolutely. I, like, that's a great, a great point too. And you're, you're right. Like there's going to be always, there's always going to be self critics or or critics no matter what you're doing like I think I, I really ascribe to that quote and I love that quote that's like you know if you never want to be criticized do nothing say nothing and be nothing because like that's that's really the only way that no one's ever going to say anything about you um, whether that's good or bad so I think that and, and the other thing of it about it is you don't control it like you don't control what people are going to say about you they can say no matter what like you could be the best person in the world you could win you know, Nobel Peace Prizes and people are going to say bad things about you just because they don't like wh who you are or where you're from. So how do we get outside of that perspective too? Because I know that's one thing I, f I follow a lot with Ben Bergeron is he talks about like complaining. There's, it, it's a no complaint zone because, you know, as soon as you start complaining, you're, you're talking about and you're making manifest things that you don't have control over, that are, you're wasting energy towards that. Um, one story I, I heard about professional golfer Jordan Spieth, I'm not sure if you follow golf that much, but he was playing around a golf with a, a friend uh, or an acquaintance maybe, um, and he stopped the match right away because the, the person he was with was complaining left, right, and center on golf shots that he wasn't able to complete and make sure he was done, complaining about the weather, complaining about the golf, uh, the golf course and the, and the turf and everything like that. So he just stopped. He doesn't allow negativity within his own golf round. Like he's he's just not going to allow it. 
how do we get that that way in our lives so that we're you know we're closing out the people that aren't adding to our lives but not only that how do we how do we frame it so that we're getting the most out of our our lives without without the complaining all the time right yeah so okay so how do we essentially build our self confidence is that what you're asking or yeah how do we build our self-confidence in a way that, you know, we're not axing everyone out of our lives? Cause I think that there's, you know, people are, there's going to be people who complain or add or go through tough times in their lives and they, they complain about minor things, whether or not, but is, is complaining necessarily always bad and how do it, should we always shut that out? I think it would be more my my question for this person would be what is the complaining about right mm-hmm. a lot of times when we're complaining is it okay we're not in control of something okay does it come back to this basis that we have to always be in control and then the other time that we're complaining we're we're creating excuses for ourselves and the only reason that we create excuses for ourselves is if we felt like we were embarrassed right our ego was speaking and it wasn't our true selves so I go and I go to hit a heavy clean and I fail it and everyone's watching. And so I'm embarrassed and I'm like, I didn't sleep a lot last night. Right. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. that makes me feel, well, Oh my gosh, everyone heard my excuse. We're good. Right. But you know, what's, what's harder, the harder, <laughs> the better path is always the harder path. Right. Mm-hmm. And the harder path. And this is me being like, man, I tried and I didn't hit it. How hard is it to give your best effort and then not get where you want to be? Absolutely. Right? Exactly. And so, my question to you, as soon as you want to let that complaint out of your mouth, is you ask yourself, is this my ego talking or is this my true self? And you figure it out because, look, if we were, if we were friends, sorry, Eric, we, <laughs> um, but if we were friends and you went to the, you, we did a workout and let's say it was double unders and whatever, and you kept tripping on your double unders and you threw your rope and you were like, oh, this stupid rope. It's not even my rope. I had to use a rope today. I would be like embarrassed for you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were you kept tripping on double unders and at the end of it you were like, man, I just it's not my best thing, but I work on it. I would have so much more respect for you for doing that. But the thing is, our ego tells us that, hey, you're embarrassed, so lash out, right? And I mean, I've done this before where I've done open workouts and you know, back in when I was younger, like 24, 25. I would kick chalk buckets and I would (laughs) like stomp out of the gym. And it wasn't because the thing is, I was never proud of myself one, but two, everyone would watch me do it. And I was embarrassed that I didn't feel like I lived up to their expectations. And so I felt like, you know what, if I don't storm out, they're not going to know that I'm unhappy. And I don't want them to think that I'm satisfied with where I am right now. And honestly, I did fantastic that open. I got 25th in the region. And yeah. And I was a little shit the entire time. Like I would have punched myself in the face back then, (laughs) right? Knowing what I know now, right? But I felt like, oh, I should never let people know that I'm satisfied. I want them to know that I'm always hungry for more. So I'm just going to be a little shit. I'm going to kick chalk buckets and I'm going to tell people to stop looking at me and like all this stuff. And it's like, it was just my true self. It was my ego, but also me not truly believing in myself and my ability and so I had to go through some hard internal stuff to figure it out and like really be reflective and journal and understand like, why do I care so much what people are thinking about me? How do I live a life where I don't care? Right. And like go from there. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. Like it's, it's so much true. Like you have to 
sometimes you have to do things the wrong way a hundred times before you figure out what the right way is. And learning through that process of, you know, as you, as you say, being a little shit and, and not doing the proper mental side of things to figure things out. One of the last questions I had for you was, you know, how do we go through workouts that aren't our skill, but still don't forfeit our effort? Because like, you know, when, when things come up in the open or whether it's a competition or even just your regular everyday class or programming, there's going to come up workouts where you know you're not good at. For, my, for example, for me, like, I don't know if you, you just somehow knew me, but like du- high volume double unders and toes to bar are not going to be a workout that was good for me. So like eight or 19 two was my worst workout of the year for sure. It didn't go the way I wanted it to. Um, but like, how do you enter a workout that way, that in that manner where you know, Hey, these aren't my skill sets. Like I'm not the best in the world at these. I'm not even close in terms of where all of my other skills are. But without going into the workout and saying, well, I'm just going to do this workout to completion, not really do, like, not say not do your best, but, like, and just complain, well, this workout wasn't good for me. How do we, how do we go about that and still get, it, like, our, our best effort without just being, like, well, I'm, I'm never going to be good at this? Well, my question for you is, going into that workout, was your ego telling you that, oh, you're going to suck anyway, so why try hard? For me, no. Like I, I didn't, I didn't ascribe too much belief in in that workout. Um, I actually thought I would do better than I did, but uh, just with the nature of the open, I just didn't but perform very well. Yeah, I didn't perform. You're the best still workout. alive. Yeah, I didn't die. Ugh. That's hard. I'm surprised. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, you have a hard workout. You know, you're not gonna. You know, it's not in your wheelhouse, right? Yeah. It's okay. You know, there's only two things in this world we can control our attitude and our effort. Mm-hmm. And so if you go into this workout and you have a shitty attitude and you're going to downplay your effort because it's not in your wheelhouse, you are the only one losing. And then you're going to be a pissed. Like what kind of negative, negative cycle are you in? Right? So if you go into this workout and you just talk to yourself, Hey, I know this is not going to be a strong soup, but still give it your all. It's like why – I talk about this a lot in my webinar. Why choose to swim upstream when you don't have to? And I'm being such a hypocrite because I swim upstream with almost everything in life. I'm like, this is the easy way. And I'm like, but how could we make it unnecessarily harder? And people in my life are like, God, Chrissy, just just, just chill for a second. I'm like, we sure about that? So it's something that I'm still learning about right now. And I think that – I think that self-progress is going to be this lifelong skill. You are never there. You are never at the top of the mountain. You are never going to be done, right? Like people that idolize Tony Robbins, I love him. But he's never done, right? He just he still continues to be a good person. He could be at the top and just be a total douchebag, and he doesn't choose to be one, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that, you know, at, at some point when you make that much money, it just takes skill, right? Yeah. <laughs> to not be a douchebag. Um, so – when you go into a workout that you know is not going to be your best, I think you have to pay attention to the amount of excuses you are saying out loud or in your head, right? T- to let yourself not try hard. Because again, it's what we just said. You know what's hard? Try- giving your best and still failing. But you know what's even harder? Not giving your best and knowing you walked away not giving your best. Because look, honestly, we never know when our last day on this earth will be. So, why would we not 
give each day 100% of us? Why would we not go into each day and just be so fucking happy to be here and so proud of ourselves for the battles that we have struggled to get here and the hills that we have climbed and where we are in life, right? Why would we choose to swim upstream and just hate ourselves day after day after day? Yeah, I think that's like you hit the nail on the head there. Like you, you're, it's kind of morbid, but also thinking like you don't even <laughs> you don't know when your last day is, right? Like if you can look I'm back sorry, on it, is it less is it less morbid to say YOLO? <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. Um, I love that 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 point. Um, the, I only had like one more question. We're going to talk a little bit about your webinar too, but the only other question I have is. Like I said, this is the Refocus Nutrition Podcast. I got into this because I wanted people, and I named it the Refocus Nutrition Podcast, because I wanted people to refocus their mindsets and their health and um, nutrition on a lot of different things than what we're doing. Because we're often trying these short-term fad diets or even like six, like you buy your newest muscle and fitness magazine and it's six weeks to your best set of abs ever. And we're always going from short-term results, short-term results, short-term results. And that's why I wanted to have you on was because the mindset piece is, is not something that's short-term. Like you're someone that you have a degree in this, you have a career in this, and you just admitted two minutes ago that you're not perfect and you're still working on it. So what would you say that people need to refocus themselves on so that they can actually get the results that they're looking for, not in the next six weeks, but in the rest of their lifetimes? So I will parlay this in with my webinar again and something that we talk about in it is perfectionism. Have more self-compassion. Like we are perfectionists. We go through this world and we expect perfection from ourselves. Yet if a friend messed up or if a friend had a hard day, you're not like, well, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, kid, and rub some dirt in it, right? You're like, man, that sucks. Let's talk about it. Like I'm here for you. But how we talk to ourselves in our head is like we constantly berate ourselves and we break ourselves down and we're like, you weak ass person. Like, <laughs> why? You know what I mean? Like, you have to be perfect. You have to do everything perfect. Like, how dare you? That's not life, right? We think that if we're going to achieve this level of perfection, we'll, we'll, we'll be happy one day and we push off our happiness and our happiness is in the future. And it's like, stop, breathe, figure out what makes you happy right now. And learn to have more self-compassion. Write down a list of everything you love about yourself. And it's super uncomfortable because for some reason this idea that we actually love ourselves is like forbidden. And But that's my thing. It's like write down a list of things you love about yourself and start from there. Because we life is hard and we're all figuring it out at the same time. Right. And this is going to be a never ending learning process. No one has it all figured out. What I realized in this life is when I met the people at the top, when I met the people that I used to put on pedestals that I used to think had their lives figured out, they didn't know what the fuck they were doing either. They didn't. And at first, I lost a lot of respect for them because I had put them on this pedestal and I said, well, they have their life figured out. They have their business figured out. Man, they're multimillionaires. I can't. And then I met them and I realized we're all figuring it out day to day on our own. Yeah, and I couldn't agree that's more. That's reality. Yeah, like, and I, I'm not that I've, you know, I've been hanging out with the multimillionaires, but I have some, met some people at the top and, and you, like, you're right. You put them on these pedestals that they're like, they have everything dialed in. They wouldn't be where they are if they didn't. And then you see some of the things that they're slipping up on through having a little bit of relationships with them. And you're like, 
maybe they don't and maybe that's okay maybe that means that like I don't have to have everything figured out either one thing like I just wanted to give you a chance to talk a little bit about your webinar you know where do people find it how do we sign up um, and yeah tell us anything that people should know about the webinar what people can expect to get out of it yeah of course so I'm going to have a link on my Instagram as well as the Nova Instagram um, we're trying to get it out for production next week but it could be the third week in April um, so the biggest thing that we work on is building your self-confidence from the ground up and giving a strategy on how to do that and at the end providing a kind of community or support group for you to be a part of um, biggest thing for me uh, being an entrepreneur being a female being young in this in this field is that I didn't and I work from home um, I just wish I could be surrounded with other like-minded individuals that wanted to support me, that had the same struggles at me, that understood, right, that you're kind of in this uncertainty and, and like it's uncomfortable every day, right, to be your own boss. And so I just wanted to be surrounded with other with other like-minded individuals that understood the struggles and wanted to support me. And uh, I could kind of like talk about my problems in a way where it was more constructive than complaining. And so that's what I created. I, I Almost everything in this world that is a product or whatever was created out of a need probably for the creator to need it, right? <laughs> and so yeah. I'm never, I never create something and I'm like, oh, this will be great for X, Y, and Z. I create it. I'm like, this will be great for me. And I hope <laughs> others also see that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't act, we're all not selfish, okay? I think that like you're right. A lot of people do, do that. Like even with all products, like I became a nutrition coach because I saw the value in nutrition coaching. Like there's, let's be honest, like that's the reason we all do it. We become CrossFit coaches because someone coached us along the way and we saw the value in CrossFit coaching, right? So you're totally right. I want to respect your time, Natalie, or not Natalie, um, Chrissy, and thank you, so, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Uh, where can people find you on your Instagram and things like that? Because I know you give a lot of really in-depth information on your Instagram. Um, and it's also nice to follow you that way. Um, watching yeah. you over the weekend, I know you, you hurt your finger too. Uh, I did. It's in a cast right now. Did you find out what was eventually wrong with it? Like, is it broken or is it just sprain? I don't know if it's broken. I think it's a sprain. Okay. I can't like bend it. I can't wrap it around the bar. I'm actually going to get it dry needled right after this. So I hope that um, that's not going to be too painful. But, um, you know, as a CrossFitter, I have a very um, unhealthy association with pain and, and <laughs> with like really with pain and, and like feeling better. And mm -hmm. so it's almost like the more pain I'm in, I'm, the more I'm like, oh, well, this will be good for me. Right. Which is actually not like a very, a very healthy like relationship with pain, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so my Instagram is at Chrissy VB, V as in Victor, B as in boy. And, um, I actually put out a mindset podcast, um, every week and it's called more for your mind. So you can check that out. We have a ton of different topics. I've been doing it every week for probably the last six months. And, um, sometimes it's a struggle to record it, but I get it done. So I'm proud of myself for doing that. Um, but yeah, you guys can check that out too. And, I really appreciate being on this podcast and I really love talking about this topic and I hope that my passion can kind of come through in the sound of my voice and you guys can hear how much I love this. And um, I definitely think we should do another one with Mike and we can talk more about nutrition and Nova and kind of how that started and we can go from there. 100%. Yeah, I definitely want to have Mike on in the future talking about Nova. 
um, in a lot of the brands that, and the products that you guys promote just because like I think there's a lot of people pushing supplements and over supplementing in the nutrition industry uh, within CrossFit but I think the products that you guys are putting out there is not within that stereotype or, or realm yeah. um, mm -hmm. so I want yeah I definitely want to talk about why you've created what you've created with Mike for sure um, thanks so much again yeah we're definitely going to have you and Mike back on in the future um, and I will definitely link all of the webinar, the webinar in the next two weeks Perfect. within the show notes yes. so that everyone can sign up. I know I'm going to be sending definitely a couple of my nutrition clients your way to make sure that they work on the mindset piece as well. Um, and you can expect to see my name along that sign up as well. So, so I'm much. sure we're going to have a lot of touching base points in the future. Perfect. All right. Take care, guys. Okay. Bye.